Hit that view. There we go. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> That's all right there, man. I feel like I'm part of the team now. Oh, you can see it right here. Yes, yes. Got <laughs> Start the show. I have to do it. I have do to it. do it, right? Do it. Football Americas. Hercules Gomez. I'm Christine Alexander. Did I do it okay? I know you miss Sebi. Sebi, you out. Yeah. You gone. Hi, Sebi. Congrats on being a dad, <laughs> by the way. Uh, we'll try to take care of, of the show here for you, of course. We have, we have a lot to break down. Today was a big day. We have, as promised, the USL special announcement, of course. And speaking of announcements... Uh, we have, of course, calm or alarm for Gio Reyna, a little bit of instability. He's now living at the club level. And, of course, uh, Diego Coca and his announcement of that 34-man roster. Yeah, be sure to uh, listen to us. That's where I listen to you guys, of course, uh, every day. So it's truly an honor to be here physically for Football Americas. Uh, let's kick things off with that, of course, with the Mexico team roster and these guys who are... Uh, have, five, have had five or fewer appearances with El Tri. Antonio Rodriguez, of course, the third string goalie that they'll have there. Roberto de la Rosa, what do you think of, of this list when you see it, Herc? Yeah, my immediate reaction is don't be fooled, not too much has changed. So it's 34-man roster, but yeah. there was a 26-man roster that went to Qatar, right? Yeah. 20 of those players are on this list. So, so 20 of those players are on this list, and if you think about those players, Guardado, who wasn't going to be there anyways, Calavera, Cota, they're pretty much on the way out from the national team, 35 years or older. Alexis Vega's injured, yeah. so it's really Hector Herrera uh, and, and Funes Mori who aren't on this list. So not too much has changed. Yeah, and a lot of people asking about Javier Hernandez. He's injured right now, and we know the history, of course, with the Mexican national team. Here's Diego Coca. Let's listen in. Los 34 que no se sientan que son intocables, ni los que no, no los convocaron, que no van a ser convocados nunca, sino que al contrario. Voy a conocerlos, voy a tomar decisiones, voy a estar cerca de ellos, voy a tener una retroalimentación de lo que necesito que tenga cada jugador para ser seleccionado. Bueno, mira, con el tema de Alejandro, primero hay que entender que son jugadores jóvenes, que tienen que tomar una decisión muy importante, eh, y hay que darle su tiempo, ¿sí? lógicamente dentro de los tiempos que nosotros podemos manejar. Si hay jugadores mexicanos que están jugando en Europa, fue primero porque destacaron en esta liga y si están jugando y están teniendo continuidad es porque lo están haciendo bien en Europa, ¿no? Entonces, el solo hecho de que estén en Europa no, a mí no me asegura que estén en la selección. He tenido una charla con el Tata eh, muy enriquecedora, me ayudó muchísimo a agradecerle públicamente con todos los pormenores que, que vivió y que toda la experiencia que él tiene. And it's good that he's talking to Tata Martino, of course, with the experience uh, that he had. <laughs> it, it, it's good at least to, to know what, what he's signing up for, the Coca. Yeah, listen, Tata Martino is going to give him a different perspective than maybe the majority of us could give him. I'm sure when Tata Martino speaks to him, he will speak to the fact of what it's like as a foreign manager coaching the Mexican national team and kind of navigating these heavy waters. I spoke about it not being too much of a change. Yeah. 26.5 years for Diego Coca, 28.5. So it's two full years 
for Tata Martino in the World Cup, you're leaving out players who are on their way out anyways. Talavera wasn't going to be part of this program. He would have been 43, turning 44. Cota would have been 38. Guardado would have been like 39. Yeah. So you're really not changing too much. That's why there's a slight difference there in age. But he's trying to send a message, do you think? Honestly, it's a very political message if it's what he's sending because he goes out and says, listen, if you're on this list, doesn't mean you're going to stay on this list. And if you're not on this list, it doesn't mean you can't be with us. Yeah. So he's very political in the way he goes about this, even when he talks about Tata Martino and what Tata Martino can give him in terms of that valuable insider knowledge. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we looked at this list, right? We were talking about uh, the, the, young, the young ones that, of course, we haven't seen a lot. An example, the, the name that jumps out to me is Alfonso Gonzalez. And speaking of, uh, we kind of want to go over which names surprised us at, at the end of the day. You mentioned a few, but who was the biggest surprise for you? Uh, I would have to say it's Roberto De La Rosa. When you look at Roberto De La Rosa, he's a player that's now 23 years of age. He's been in the league for about four years. He's got, I believe, 16 goals in those four years. Uh, never surpassed the four-goal tally in a season. I understand that he's been behind some pretty big forwards uh, at Pachuca. He was behind Franco Jara, who ended up being a DP at FC Dallas, uh, who scored a ton of goals in Pachuca, regardless of what you saw from him at FC Dallas. He was a very productive player in Liga Mekis. Uh, you also have Nico Ibanez, who was el campeón de goleo, the golden boot last season, yeah. uh, who was the man at Pachuca, who was in front of him as well. So he's never been the man, which leads me to why I'm surprised. If you've never been the man, if you've never been that person at the club level, why are you at the national team? Do you have to be that person, though, necessarily to well, maybe used, see some potential it, it, growth? That's what it was. About. That's what it used to be about. Yeah. Yes. You wouldn't just skip a process. You have to do well at the club level. You have to be that impact player, especially when we're talking about the Mexican national team, because yeah. the I would say 85 plus percent of the players are Liga MX based. So you have to be an impact player within the club, within the league, to merit that opportunity. This uh, for me came out of left field. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I kind of like the small amount that we've seen from this kid. The, when I see his name, I think about that crazy right. goal that he scored, of course. The half-field goal against yeah. Alec Guzman. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yes. So I like that. I don't know. I kind of get the feel that Diego Coca is trying to do things a little bit differently, calling up, you know, kids, quite literally kids that, that we're seeing. He's 23 years old. And, yeah. And that's the thing. Um, zero cast with the full national team, 23 years old, and I spoke about him not being the man. Yeah. He may not be the man right now when Nico Benio is gone. He's he's literally keeping it warm until Chicho Arango gets acclimated. Yeah. So it it's, it begs the question. But of that's good motivation if he's for there, him, If he's there because they see potential, or if that pipeline is drying up at the nine position. Well, that's for him to answer, of course, on the field. Because as you know, Herc, it's completely different when we see uh, these players maybe have success at club level and maybe not on the national team and maybe this could be a little switcheroo not saying that he's not going to have that success of course uh, at club level my surprise was Tonio Rodriguez because it just kind of jumped out I was like oh okay I kind of didn't expect it I know he's done well so far of course for Cholos I know this guy has experience I had uh, honestly the the pleasure of seeing the way that he trains day to day in Chivas and that persistence that he has, he has a good head on his shoulders. I think this is a kind of uh, maturity level that Diego Coca needs, you know, of course, now with the national team. So I like that he has this opportunity. Again, Diego Coca is doing things differently. I think that's a message that he's sending or he's trying to send now because there were so many people that criticized him. He did things differently at Atlas. He's trying to do things differently now. He had success at club level. And, of course, he's trying to have that success now with the, with the Mexican national team. But I like... 
I like seeing Tonio Rodriguez's name there. I do want to see what he's capable of. I hope he does have enough minutes to kind of show up and show up. So this is a surprise for many people, and it's funny because you're surprised at the third goalkeeper, right? Yeah. If he should tell you something. Uh, I'm going to go Ronald Koeman here. Es lo que hay. It's what you have. So you're talking about a 30-year-old goalkeeper because you have Malagón, who's on the bench behind Oscar Jimenez. I would have put Cota there, to be completely honest. Rodolfo Cota's turning 35, uh, potentially on his way out. He won't be there in that process. Yeah, but if you're already taking a chance with Memo Ochoa, who's going to be 40 by the time World Cup rolls around, Mm -hmm. why do you want to go older? Uh, I don't mind him being the third goalkeeper. You have El Huacho Jimenez, who's had a ridiculous season for, for Chivas. He's 31, 32 years old. Yeah. When you go down the list of the goalkeepers, Tonio Rodriguez is, is not a sexy name. That's, mm-hmm. the, that's just the reality it's here. true, yeah. It's not a sexy pick, but he's just as capable as all these other goalkeepers. You're not really I – mean, what, what are we arguing? That's, that's, that's a thing, you know? Yeah. Who, who else would you think of? Now? Well, the name David Ochoa comes to mind, right? Yeah. And David Ochoa, who was with Real Salt Lake and then D.C. United, and he's now at San Luis, not even making game day roster. So they're taking yeah. it very slow with him. He's a U-20 player there with the with second division team, if you will, or the reserve team, I should say. So they're taking it slow with them. I spoke about this with Roberto eh, de la Rosa. You can't just hand things out. You need to earn it. If he's the future, and I firmly believe David Ochoa could be the future, well, you've got to earn those things, and I'm sure he believes that as well. Yeah, and you didn't even mention Raul Budiño, right? Where? That's where is he? down there. Where is yeah. he? You yeah. know? He was at Atlanta, didn't play, he was in and out, and now where is this? So the, the Mexican goalkeeper pipeline yeah. could be just as bad as the nine pipeline. There's mm-hmm. a few players, Santi Jimenez, who have raised that hand, who have said, I am here, yeah. you know, sacando el pecho for, for that, I guess, position, if you will. Mm-hmm. But it's a position that's dried up as of late. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the guys who aren't uh, on the roster, who was snubbed for you? Well, there's a few, right? I'm going to go with La Chofis Lopez, Eduardo Lopez. And listen, you could say what you want about La Chofis, however you feel about La Chofis and what he did or did not do at Chivas. But this man goes to Major League Soccer with Matias Almeida. And you can give Matias Almeida some credit there if you'd like to or Absolutely. not. But in two seasons between the San Jose Earthquake and now his return to Liga MX, a whole year with Pachuca, who, by the way, were champions with La Chofis Lopez, he scored over 20 goals. Yep. He's not a nine. Yep. He scored over 20 goals from a winger position. You can play him as a second forward behind the forward. You can play him out wide on the right, out wide on the left. He's done very well starting for you. He's done very well off the bench. He's productive. Over 20 goals, six, seven assists. This man deserves an opportunity, but everybody still views him as La Chofis de Guadalajara, La Chofis de Chivas, La Chofis who's indisciplined, La Chofis who doesn't care, La Chofis who has an attitude problem, La Chofis who doesn't really want to be serious and take a grab. of things. That's not him anymore. Yeah. That's not him anymore. I agree. And I think Matias Almeida deserves a lot of credit because he's tried to work with this kid and he has worked with him since he started at Chivas because this guy was, was a firecracker, right? Yeah. He went up, he fused out there for a while, Matias Almeida, Not the first and not the last that's happened to achieve us. Exactly. And he really took the time with him, disciplined him uh, outside, of course. Uh, Producer, yeah, telling me somebody else's name, but I... I, Uh, That's Producer uh, Beth. He said Rodolfo Pizarro, (laughs) which is unfair to the Joker. But anyway, fused out really quickly. So I really want to applaud what La Chofis has done. I think you said it perfectly because for me, this is a good comeback. And I love seeing these kind of stories because it's easy to have all the potential and just to kind of keep that going. But he took like 10 steps back, goes to the MLS, goes with a coach that knows exactly what he can bring to the table. And by the table, I mean the field and still gave him that chance. Listen, a lot of people were scoffing at the idea that he can make a national team return. He wasn't really there 
that long, didn't get that much of a platform. A lot of people would laugh about this. Now, nobody's laughing. It's a serious candidate. Yeah, and he should, and he won that himself. He's putting his name, of course, and that's why we're taking the time to talk about La Chofis Lopez, which, you know, a few years ago would have been completely different. Um, I said Victor Guzman. Ooh, Victor shout. Guzman is another story that really excites me because he was very honest at the time that this situation happened three years ago, of course, uh, with, with Chivas and that anti-doping situation. This is another comeback story for me because he made his way back to Pachuca. He put in the work and he's putting in the work now for Chivas. Eight games, four goals, two assists. He's only been a sub in one of the matches. And of course, we know that Chivas is having kind of a surprising run right now in Clausura 2023. And a big reason is El Pocho Guzman. Give him the chance. Maybe it wasn't this time, but call him up next time because this guy is versatile and he knows what he's he's you know offering right now and he's very confident and i don't think this player had been very confident in a long time so this comeback i just think it speaks volumes to the mentality that this guy has yeah uh he's the team captain at chivas yeah it's not an easy thing to be a captain team captain chivas i, I will say this I, I feel bad for victor guzman because under tata martino it was i don't like where you play with pachuca mm -hmm. they asked diego coca today and he spoke about with chivas he's being played in a different role and that he has other players in that role. So you just have to feel for the kid because he was not only a very good player, but an impact player on the best team in Mexico, yeah. probably in the calendar year. Yeah. They lost one final, won one final. Yeah. Um, and now he's at Chivas and they, he has him in a very surprising top five position. Mm -hmm. He's a leading goal scorer and he's not a nine. He's literally, if not for him and Huacho Jimenez, they're the two main reasons why Chivas is in the position they are, they are in today. Yeah. So uh, yes, he's definitely one of the players that, that got snubbed. Yeah, I, I completely agree. So hopefully we'll see him now in the near future because it's not his fault that the coach doesn't like where he's being played at club level, of course, at the end of the day, uh, the player uh, putting in the work. Uh, the one that wasn't so surprising to see, of course, was Memo Choa's name again on this national team roster, of course, being the one of the most important. And this is what he said on his status with El Tri going forward. I'm going to continue maintaining my place with the national team as I've been doing during all these years because it has cost me a lot. Uh, so was his call-up really in the best interest, interest of the national team? Short-term or long-term is the question, right? Um, yeah. So what I will say, and take that quote for what it's worth, it's him saying, if you want this position, take it from my dying hands. Yeah. He's telling the young generation, like, come and beat me, come and take it from me, which is valid, which is fair. What I will say is, and I'll give the example of the U.S. Men's National Team program. After the failed 2018 World Cup campaign, U.S. Soccer, Tim Howard, you're gone. Michael Bradley, you're gone. Josie Altra, you're gone. Jeff Cameron, you're gone. All these veterans, gone. Mm -hmm. 13 months with Dave Sarek, an interim coach, and it was Tyler Adams, Weston McKinney, it was Anthony Robinson, it was Zach Steffen. It was, you're going to take your lumps, but you will be better for it. They took their lumps. Yep. They lost the Gold Cup final to Mexico, 1-0. Yep. And then in New Jersey against the Mexican national team, they were humiliated. Yeah. But what happened after? What happened when these kids came into their own as a team together? They beat, two, they beat Mexico twice in a summer for two different championships. Uh, they beat Mexico in Cincinnati, outplayed them. Uh, Mexico didn't beat them in, in, in the Azteca. They go on to have the best performance of a CONCACAF team in the World Cup. They were better for it. They grew into that. This right here tells me that Diego Coca is saying, I can ill afford to lose right now. Diego Coca knows that if Mexico loses the Nations League final, loses the Gold Cup, he is gone. So he doesn't have time for that generational change. He doesn't have yeah. time for that shift. So 
Players like Memo Ochoa, if he, in his heart of hearts, Diego Coca, in his heart, feels that Memo Ochoa is better than Acevedo today, he's going to call him up because yeah. he wants there to be a tomorrow for Diego Coca. Yeah, and, and it's kind of trying to mix that experience with those really young players. But I do think it's that. It's kind of pressing the panic button and we need results right now and there's going to be some changes you know of course at the top for the federation and they still have to get the results yeah the pressure's on but for the Okoka 2026 what is, is right it, around what the does it matter what does it matter if they lose the Nations League final against the states what does it matter if Mexico loses it's just pride what does it matter if they lose against the in the gold cup against whomever the goal is 2026 yeah Carlos Acevedo is 26 years old right now mm-hmm. he's not had any national team experience there were zero players under 23 years of age in Qatar at the World Cup. That means there will be zero players 26 years old or younger come 2026 with World Cup experience. So what are you going for? What do you want? Do you want to do well in your confederation? Or do you want to do well and show, showcase yourself in front of the world? That is the question. I don't think they even know what they're <laughs> looking for at the time, well, which is... Yeah, and it was clear with their search, right? Because there were so many candidates that they were throwing out there. Although, of course, it was a very big distraction for all of us because they probably knew the whole time but yeah it's it's like a what what do you want what are you doing what are you looking for and at the end of the day it's that fifth game the the famous quinto partido in the world cup again and it's i don't know i feel like it's gonna can be very good for you right now he's gonna be 37 years old um come summer he can be very good for you right now yeah but what's he going to be like when he's 40 mm-hmm. and at the World Cup? If that's what you're banking on, yeah. that's what you need to think of. Yeah, a lot of things can change in the next three, almost four years leading into that World Cup. But right now, we're going to keep our eyes on two other Mexican players. Let's run it back. Jorge Sanchez here. Scored in the 12th minute. Uh, this is a beautiful goal here for him with Ajax. Yeah, he desperately needed this. Has yeah. not been in the starting lineup lately. This is a ridiculous finish from a right back list. One-time finish, mid-air, in-step, side netting. Very good goal. Yeah, and it wasn't with his head. It was a volley. <laughs> Don't want to mess up that Beautiful. Hair. Yeah. You know, not not to shade, of course, on Nelson Alvarez, who's done uh, spectacularly here uh, with Ajax. Scored a goal the other day. But, yeah, this is awesome. Here from Jorge Sanchez in that KNBV Cup win. And next, he was on the list. El Bebote, Santiago Jimenez, scores the game winner. Shocker. This has been him lately. Yeah, he's just been on fire. So, it's just a great form. Look at this. First touch sets up the goal and just slots it home. When you're in that zone, when you're in that moment, the goal looks like a rainbow. It's so big you can't miss, and he's in that zone right now. Yeah, and it's and it's just such a quick reaction, a quick reaction that he's that we've seen, of course, from other nines with the Mexican national team. And what is trying to do that, of course, he was one of the biggest names that we heard because he didn't go to the World yeah. Cup. He's trying to prove that now, and he's proving it as he should with work, with goals. And my question to you is, because we also saw Raúl Jiménez on this list, can Raúl retain his nine? I'm very surprised to see Raul Jimenez on this list. Yeah. Raul Jimenez is like 31 years old. He's not on the wrong side of 30. That's not the case here. Every player has to come to terms when their body betrays them Mm -hmm. because father time is undefeated. Unfortunately, that's not the case with Raul Jimenez. It's not like he got older and his body betrayed him. He had a very unfortunate incident with David Luis that changed his sporting life and his personal life forever. And since then, he's not been the same player. Raul Jimenez started off his first season with Wolves, 13 goals. Second season, 17 goals. He was being linked to some of the biggest clubs in the world. Huge transfer that was going to happen with Wolves. And then this accident happens with David Luis. 
Six goals, four goals the next two seasons. Zero goals this season. He barely got onto that roster in Qatar. Looked like a shell of himself. Yeah. He's not played well. I don't think we could talk about him retaining that position because of his own physical Realistically, we can. Realistic capabilities. Yeah. And because Henry Martin is in insane form. Yes. He's got 20 goals in the last calendar year. Scored against Real Madrid. Scored against Man City. Scored a goal in the World Cup. He's on pace to break records in Liga MX. And Santiago Jimenez is doing the same. Leaves Cruz Azul with five goals. Was going to get on pace to be the goal-scoring champion when he left. Goes to the Eredivisie. And he's fighting a goal-scoring title there. And he's the leading goal scorer of the Europa League. Yeah. And he continues to score goals. Oh, and by the way. He's 20 years old. Yeah, <laughs> in case we forgot. In case you forgot. That's so, why we call him El Bebote, El Bebote, the big baby. Yeah, so so with Raul Jimenez, I repeat, it's unfortunate because he had so much promise. Yeah. And it's unfortunate because his body betrayed him, not because of age, but because of this accident. And he's been a shell of himself since. That's why he shouldn't be retained as a nine. Yeah, he had such a tough time, and it's one of those injuries that uh, marks a before and an after, and I think that's unfortunately the case yeah. for Raul Jimenez. And I say it with such a sad tone because that's how I feel about it. It's sad to see him. Like you said, he was a, a shell of himself, and he was doing so well, of course, one of the most important, if not the most important player in Wolverhampton, having that success Absolutely. Uh, that is kind the of unheard of for, for, yeah, for, for Mexican players in the Premier League with how that level is. And he was doing it. And he was the best at the time for the Mexican national team and had all the potential in the world. And it was unfortunately cut short. I'm not trying to retire him immediately, but I totally agree with you when you say that, you know, it's time to accept that maybe it's, it's time to take two or three steps back in this case. That does not, excuse me. That doesn't mean he doesn't have a place on the national team. Yeah, he's 31 years old. You can regain your form. But right now, to consider him a lockdown starter, he's the nine, and everybody else should wait their turn. That's that's not how this works. El fútbol is the momentos. It's about moments. About now, and his right now is not good enough to be on the national team. It's a reality. Yeah, yeah, and I think they forced him a little bit to be fit yeah. for the World Cup. And we know, of course, with that performance, that it was him at a 65 or 70 percent, and that's not what you want in any sort of situation, and much less when you're talking about a World Cup. And much less for your starting striker in a World Cup yeah. who shouldn't have doubts about his body, and he's yeah. had those doubts. Yeah, exactly, those doubts, and, and at the end of the day, of course, those fears with that uh, really strong injury. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash! 
Fresh shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Uh, somebody else dealing with an injury, of course, is Javier Hernandez. Uh, he picked up that hamstring injury preseason. He wasn't available for that uh, first now postponed match against LAFC. Now the question surrounding Chicharito is, will he be available this weekend at Dallas? Now the Mexican striker took it upon himself to clarify his injury status, and that didn't really sit well with Greg Vanny. Let's take a listen. Voy a jugar en Dallas? No, no voy a jugar. Me estoy recuperando también de mi lesión. Voy a estar entre dos a cinco semanas más de lesión porque tenemos que tener mucho cuidado para no tener recaídas. At the end of the day, players sometimes get out in front of it and they want to let fans or their people know kind of how they're doing because people might be asking your question, but. Uh, ultimately, there's a there's a way, a time, and a place to give that because it's also about the opposition. It's about game management, game prep, all those kinds of things. So um, there's a lot of pieces to it, but it's it's not earth shattering. Uh, and this the it's not earth shattering, mm. but are you cool with it, Herc? I am cool with it, mm -hmm. absolutely, because I'm one of these fans, if you will, or. or people who consume this game that get upset when it's Major League Soccer or whatever league or whatever club doesn't disclose an injury just keeps everybody in the dark so I, I don't like that but certainly you got to be careful if you're Chicharito Hernandez for two reasons one because guess who may not be cool with it your head coach the guy who makes the decisions and why well Greg Vanny spoke right there very well of you just let the opposition know not only FC Dallas that you won't be available which could alter the game plan and how they face you but future opponents, two to five weeks. So yeah. now you're telling the rest of the league, like, hey, he ain't going to be here for that long or, or won't be there for, for, a, for a while. And also fans. And this is where I think Javier Hernandez to be very careful. Javier Hernandez is a very good player. And every year has gotten better in terms of production for the LA Galaxy. Last year, he only missed two games. None of them due to injury. But the year before that and the year before that with the LA Galaxy, it was a calf strain, muscular injury, missed lots of games, and fans expect a lot out of Javier Hernandez, expect a lot out of him in terms of goals, in terms of wins, but you have to be on the field. And the LA Galaxy fans right now are fed up. They're fed up with Chris Klein, they're fed up with the Galaxy FO, they're boycotting, they want to see the team do well, they can't make any moves in the summer, so they can ill afford to see their best goal scorer in the last three years, plus not be on the field and he's communicating during a Twitch while he's playing video games. So you have to be careful if you're Javier Hernandez. Yeah, and of course, Greg Vanny speaking so frankly about it, but then says it's not earth shattering. It's okay if, if it is a little bit, you know, going into your game plan. And like you said, I think it's a big giveaway for the rivals, especially if, if last year, what you mentioned last season, he was so fit. Yeah, but I don't know if you necessarily can really do anything. I think it's the classic we're in this social media age where it's really hard to control everything and what they say online but you mean you can control what you say online don't say it you know you can't control what somebody else says about you I understand that but Javier Hernandez can control what he says on a twitch did they tell him though to not say it that's my question you don't have to be told to not say it it goes without saying okay I mean if the club isn't disclosing it there's for a reason for a reason yeah so if you go out and say it that's on you I am cool with it but you should assume the consequences when it's out there. I'm not cool with it. 
<laughs> to be completely honest, I think it's good that Greg Vanny's coming out and, and, and saying that, 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 yeah, it's not earth shattering, but it's not something that's ideal for the situation. And yeah, he should speak very frankly about it. I'm sure they've already probably had a conversation about it, but I, I was able to cover a, a lot of, you know, the LA, LA Galaxy games. And when Chicharito was subbed off, uh, he was obviously very upset most of the time. And Greg Vanny, in, in one instance, went over and was comforting him. Um, I don't think that that was very necessary. That's kind of my opinion about it. So it's good that there's kind of like this, no, it's a strong kind of opposition. And at the end of the day, I'm, I'm your coach and this wasn't okay. Yeah, here's the problem with Major League Soccer. And I've experienced this in, in many lockers within Major League Soccer is oftentimes the players can be the highest paid people in the organization. And when you're a player of that impact, you assume you have a certain amount of power that goes with it. Mm -hmm. The head coach is still the head coach. Yep. And maybe Greg Vanny's hands are tied on whether Chicharito plays or not, and I mean that respectfully. Yep. Because when you pay that amount of money for a player when he's a DP and your DPs have to be on the field for you to be successful, you're almost handcuffed in a sense. But I agree with what you're saying. It's good to see Greg Vanny kind of set some boundaries. Yeah. Yeah, and it's necessary, of course, in every situation. But, of course, when we're talking about uh, this club situation. All right, so let, let's switch over uh, to an interesting topic that, of course, made so much noise after the World Cup, and it's still. Uh, I think Dersic said this uh, about Giovanni Reina. He's always suffered setbacks. He was injured once with the national team. He had made a few short appearances, played from the start against Werder Bremen, and had no playing time in the last three matches. He has to be diligent and patient. Does he hurt? What do you think? Bomb <laughs> <laughs> uh, or alarm? Alarm, alarm, alarm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, uh, Giovanni is a, Giovanni Reina is an insane talent. That's not up for debate. Mm -hmm. Nobody's putting that right now and saying, is that the question? Is he talented enough to be on the field? Here's what we do know right now. Uh, Borussia Dortmund is one of the hottest teams in the world. Yep. Um, they've not even lost or drawn a game since the World Cup. Okay? They've been very good. Gio Reyna has only played about 500 minutes this season. Okay? A few things we know about Gio Reyna, given his history, that we have to assume here. Two things. First is, he's not necessarily been the most fit player in the last year. He's had fitness issues. Okay? They have disclosed how they are taking it slow with them, and that has been constant throughout their communication with fans and pundits. He had three straight games where he comes off the bench and scores a goal. To not play the next three games, not even one minute, that's cause for an alarm. If you're healthy, because given his history, we know that he's a difficult player to deal with personality-wise at times mm -hmm. for coaches, for teammates. It can't be that we're to sit here and think nothing is going on, whether fitness or whether personality issues and that it's tactical decisions not one single minute that to me is cause for concern concern mentally speaking because it, it all kind of came down on him after the world cup yeah it's been physical and mental yeah right it's been physically are you fit are those muscular injuries over with can you help us win and when he's been on the field he's been an impact player but at the World Cup, it was, he's not helping us win because he's not a team player. His off-the-field issues have impacted his ability to get on the field. And now, with Borussia Dortmund, he's not getting on the field. So there's only, it's one of two things. Either he's not fit 
or something's going on behind the scenes because I don't buy that the Giovanni Reina can't help them be a better team on the field. How can they put out that fire, though? Well, they don't have to put out the fire right now because they're winning. That's a great thing. True. You don't have to say anything. It's, it's the, it ain't broke, don't fix it situation. Mm -hmm. And they're flying. They're the best team right now in, in terms of results in, in all of Europe and all of the top five leagues. Uh, best team by far in the Bundesliga um, since the winter break. So they don't have to give an answer to anybody. Yeah, I don't think they're going to come out and say, this is what happened. But exactly. certainly you have to speculate given the history of the player. Would you expect a move if this keeps up? I would say anytime a player is not playing with that kind of talent, you should expect a move. Um, I've said many times that his ceiling by far is the highest of any U.S. men's national team prospect that we've had. Uh, present, past, at the moment, heading to the future, whatever you want players that I've seen is the highest ceiling. So it does you no good to be in a situation where you won't play. Yeah, absolutely, especially after uh, the few amount of minutes that he received in the World Cup. And, of course, we know uh, the situation that was surrounding him. Will we see him this weekend? That is a big question and, of course, a concern. There's Borussia Dortmund this Friday, of course. All those, all these matches you see on your screen, you'll be able to watch on ESPN. Plus, Dortmund against Leipzig. And, of course, everything, all of the action that you can catch on ESPN. Plus, Bayern Munich against Stuttgart. Great games. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Back for Jai. Clips this up. On the turn. Oh, what a goal! It's Greg Hurst again! Volley from Akwe! Wow! Brennan works his way inside the 18. Flicked on frame. What a finish. Jackson Conway. The USL Championship final is underway in 2022. Dameron, he scores. LeBou serving Patino. San Antonio FC wins the USL Championship final. So are you and Mauricio we're being a, a little bit sneaky about this USL announcement. Well, here yep. it is. You heard it on Football Americas first, as promised. The USL Championship and League One matches will be available live on ESPN platforms in 2023. 620 games, regular season and playoffs. The action kicks off May 13th with defending Eastern Conference title holders, Louisville City FC. They host Miami FC at Lynn Family Stadium. 
Here's what we have, at least to kick things off, as I just mentioned, on May 13. But, of course, a full slate of action that you can watch on our broadcast on ESPN2 as well. Those notable matches and, of course, other options available. But we won't only have that. We'll have, of course, the most entertaining matches, which means that we'll have the USL Championship Final on November 12 at 9 p.m. Eastern. That will be on ESPN2. But wait! That's not all. There's more. The 2023 USL League One final on November 5th, of course, 8.30 p.m. Eastern. So all of the best USL action you can, of course, watch on ESPN. And speaking of Louisville City FC, let's bring in their head coach, Danny Cruz, who joins us now on Football Americas. Danny, welcome. Now, with the good news of your recent contract extension through 2025, how do you feel? Oh, uh, just really thankful. You know, this is a wonderful club. Uh, I'm super grateful for everything, uh, you know, that this club has given me uh, and, and certainly excited to be able to get back to work. Danny, first off, congratulations, my man. I know how hard you worked, so this is awesome for you, and I'm proud of you. Uh, listen, you've played in some big games, CONCA champions, MLS Cups. You've had massive moments in your career as a player, but what's it like coaching in a final, coaching in a USL final? What's that like? Yeah, I, I think similar feelings, you know, that we've had, Herc. I think, you know, when we were going into the game against San Antonio, you're excited, you want to get started, and, and ultimately, you know, you're, you're making sure that you prepared the guys throughout the week, and, and at the end of the day, you're hoping for execution, you know? So I would say there's some similar feelings, and, and ultimately, you're looking for, for, the, for the result. I, I know there's similar feelings, but I know speaking my own personal, just watching my daughter play YSO, part of you is like, ah! I gotta be there. I wanna do something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, at the at the end of the day, you look at it and you say, oh, I, I prepared them as as best as I could for the week, and it's a little bit out of your hands at that point, right? So, um, but you sit back and, and you hope you can make some adjustments. And obviously, San Antonio game didn't go the way that we wanted, uh, but but we're looking forward to a 2023. Yeah, and Herc just mentioned uh, a young player that, that he has in his household, right? So uh, USL has exported, as you know, a number of young players to Europe. You have a talented squad yourself that includes 17-year-old Joshua Winder. Uh, what quality does he have, Danny, to join that list of players that make the move to Europe? Yeah, I think when you look at what the league has done and you look at uh, a lot of these young players and, and them making the moves over to, to Europe, I think it's a testament to the work that a lot of these clubs in the league and the academies are doing. When you look at Josh, uh, he's come in and he's grown up right in front of us, right? He's, he's had an excellent year. Uh, he's continuing to develop into an amazing young player. And I honestly believe that the sky's the limit for him. You know, we're hopeful that he continues to, to grow at his time here and, and we'll see how long that is. Uh, based on his style, Danny, do you have any league in mind for him? Listen, there's been a lot of teams all throughout Europe, a lot of Champions League teams that have, have been looking at him. Um, but I think ultimately, you know, we ha we try to have as many discussions as we can with player, with family, uh, with agent. And, and Josh is going to end up, uh, you know, going to a place that he feels uh, is, is best for his development. You know, I'm curious about a player you've had many discussions with. Uh, that is Jonathan Gomez, Real Sociedad, Louisville City to Real Sociedad. A, a very exciting player, exciting prospect. Uh, first off, it's a two-part question, which I should never do, but talk to me about his ceiling, one. And two, based off those conversations, where do you think he will end up? Uh, 
so so with with Jogo, you know, I think uh, his ceiling, I believe, is at the national team level. You know, someone asked me today, you know, do you think you'll see uh, Jogo playing in the World Cup in 2026? Uh, I, I genuinely believe he has all the quality to be able to do that. I think when you look at uh, the attacking side of the game and, and how he's able to get up and down as a left back, um, you know, I think it's pretty rare that you're able to see somebody that's left footed with that quality of service and have the engine that he has. So, you know, for me, he has a, a really, really high ceiling. Uh, and then when you look at Josh, again, uh, he's putting himself in a position to make sure that, you know, he's he's growing, he's developing, and, and that at the next stage of, of his development that we make the right decisions and putting him in a place that's, that's going to help him uh, ultimately reach that ceiling. You spoke about speaking to the player, the camp, which involves the family and agent. What were those conversations like with Jogo? Did you get a sense of what the family was feeling, what the agent wanted for him? of what Jogo wanted for himself. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that those conversations, first of all, there's got to be a, a complete uh, amount of trust between all parties. I think when when you think about Jogo and, and him ending up in Sociedad, you know, we would allow him time. You know, he, he missed games to be able to go over there and visit it. And I think it's an important piece. Listen, when we become... Uh, a, a club that players want to come to to help try to get them to reach their goals it's important that it's a it's a collective understanding of how to get there and you know when he made the decision to to visit Sociedad and to go through this process nothing but supportive throughout it uh, and ultimately he knew that his performance is here we're going to put him in a position to be able to to reach the next spot and and with regard to his his family and and uh, and his agent and the camp that he has uh, constant communication with all of them, with his parents, you know, his agent, and then obviously Jogo being involved in all those. Yeah, and with that responsibility goes hand in hand, of course, and having that success with the team, uh, Coach. With that said, what do you expect from this team now in the 2023 season? Yeah, we're fortunate uh, to bring back so many players from last year, right? And I think there were so many things last year to be proud of, but we also recognized that we fell short at the end of it. So we try to look at the process. We try to make sure that the, the pieces that we did bring in, um, you know, add value both in the locker room and obviously on the field. Um, but I think we have a, a team that can do something special. I really believe that. But ultimately, it's making sure that we stay humble, that we have the right mentality that's expected here at this club, uh, and that the players uh, and our staff continue to push one another every day. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really hopeful and, and confident in the group that we have, absolutely. Danny, the USL keeps expanding. With expansion, there come more teams. There have been talks, rumors, I should say, about USL implementing pro-rel promotion relegation uh, one having played in a closed system your whole life what are your thoughts on pro and two as a coach the possibility of going down a division what does that speak to you yeah i, I think you know m my own uh, opinion would be that it's it's certainly uh something that that um the league uh is is going to look at for me i think it brings something uh different types of pressure at times. I think the idea that, you know, you could be uh, being relegated is going to push the league uh, and, and teams to make sure that they're doing everything they can to, to reach their maximum level and capabilities. Um, you know, I spent a year in the Tipa Liga in, in Europe, and it was very different than my, my six years uh, in Major League Soccer. So uh, ultimately, that's a decision that the, the ownership groups uh, and, and the league have to have to make if they feel it's best. 
Um, but for me, I think it, it does bring a different uh, sort of competition than I think is uh, people are used to here in this country. Coach, thank you so much for your time on Football Americas with us. We, of course, not only congratulate you for that contract extension, but we wish you all the best in what's to come this season and in the future. Thank you guys very much. Have a good night. Thank you. We can see Danny Cruz and company, of course, starting May 13th at 7 p.m. Eastern as Louisville City FC take on Miami FC on ESPN2. The USL Championship is on ESPN. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. And let's check out some FA Cup action, of course. Minute 21st and our attention towards Tyler Adams in this play. Oh, no. Taking it on. Oh, what no. happened here? What happened here, Herc? Oh, uh, drop a line is what happened. It's a, it's a bad ball by Tyler. Yeah. Bad giveaway right here. Very good reception, anticipation reception, and then surprises everybody with that curler. It's like a lasso, but not yeah. one of Tyler Adams' best moments. Yeah, and it's weird to see that from him, but boy, well, that's that's how you learn. He's a young guy trying to get but look at this finish. Look at this finish. Christian. Yeah, it's look beautiful. at this. You're not getting that. Yeah, it's just on the tip of his foot right there to give it that direction. 56 minute, it didn't get any better for Leeds. No, no, Alexandra Mitrovic. Another curler. Don't let him go inside. They allowed him to go inside. Quick interchange right there. Good and play. in between so many defenders, goalkeeper gets screened. You're, you're not keeping that out either. Yeah, it's a it's a tough, it's been a tough run uh, for Leeds as of late. Of course, we know that change at the bench. This 2-0 in the fifth round for the FA Cup. And here's the quarterfinals draw. Of course, City will face Burnley Manchester United, who's been on fire as of late against Fulham. Brighton and Grimsby Town and Sheffield United against Blackburn. Those matches will be played starting March 18th. All of those matches, of course, available on ESPN+. Take it over to Luchi Gonzalez. He had some things to say. He uh, heaps praise on Greg Berhalter. Of course, we know that he was Berhalter's assistant during the 2022 World Cup, so he knows him quite well. But let's take a listen to what he had to say, and we'll, we'll talk about it. I had my experience 10 years in Dallas where uh, I saw the game a certain way and I believed in that, but it evolves. And then when you get to, to be next to Greg Berhalter, which I think is one of the greatest coaches ever in the United States. All right, my question to you is, should Luchi Gonzalez get lost with this comment about Greg Berhalter? That's a yes, by the way. How do we want to start this? It, it, of course, it's a get lost. I, I don't care how you slice it. No, 
No. If Greg Berhalter and that staff, who Luchi Gonzalez was part of that staff, want to hang their hat on two wins in one summer, two finals over the worst Mexican national team we've seen in my lifetime, mm -hmm. and a third-place finish in World Cup qualification, and only beating Iran in the World Cup, if that's what they want to hang their hat on, yes. Greatest of all time. Okay. But if it's not Berhalter, then who? I can give you a lot of names. I'll give you, you know what? Let me start off. Bruce Arena. Okay. Okay, Bruce Arena, who changed the U.S. men's national team forever. Bruce Arena, who won a World Cup qualifying. Bruce Arena, who won his Gold Cup. Bruce Arena, who got out by, of the World Cup second round by beating Mexico, the bitter rival, to go to El Quinto Partido, who was a missed handball away from being in a semifinal game. That Bruce Arena? Go ahead and go with Bruce Arena. Wait, you want me to keep going? Do you want me to talk about Bob Bradley? Bob Bradley, who beat Mexico in a Gold Cup? Who won the World Cup group phase? Mm -hmm. Only U.S. team to ever win a group. I was there. Who beat Spain? Took their 35-game unbeaten streak in the Confederations Cup and then went to the final against Brazil. Up 2-0 at halftime versus Brazil. Bob Bradley. You want me to talk about Jurgen Klinsmann now? Jurgen Klinsmann? Also Gonna. beat. Also won his Gold Cup. Uh, World Cup, you say? Got out of the group phase. In the group of death, Jurgen Klinsmann, who did more for dual nationals in his time mm -hmm. than what we talk about with dual nationals right now, Greg Berhalter. Any way you slice it, I understand why Lucci is saying this. He's indebted. He's a good person. Lucci Gonzalez, indebted in some way to Greg Berhalter. That's how he feels with the opportunity. But I just named three that did better than Greg Berhalter. You can talk about win percentage. You can talk about whatever you want. These analytics. I was going to ask about squad difference. Thank you. Because <laughs> Greg Berhalter did all this with arguably, arguably the best collection of American players in its history. So those previous managers did more with less. Okay, that changes the game a little bit then, because that was my question, if he had a better squad than those who you mentioned. Absolutely. Listen, I'm not going to sit here and kick a guy while he's down and say he didn't do good things. Greg Berhalter did good things. Mm -hmm. That's fine. But do not ignore, for those of you out there, and you could say Bruce Arena was part of that failed World Cup qualifying process. Sure was. So was Jurgen Klinsmann. Sure was. Bob Bradley made his mistakes. Sure did. But Greg Berhalter's legacy won't be remembered as one of the best U.S. men's national team managers ever. So I will repeat, he will not be remembered as one of the best managers in the American program ever. He will be remembered for how he got the job, which involved nepotism, and how he left the job, which involved an off-the-field spat with the Reina family. That is how he will be yeah. remembered. Yeah, and, and that uh, communication, of course, that he had to... Uh, put out. We haven't seen the investigation yet. Uh, Next week is what I'm hearing. Yeah. Well, the details what? of the investigation. Okay. The results, I should say. So. Uh, anything that you could tell us? No. Um, that's just what U.S. Soccer said next week. Yeah. yeah. So in the coming weeks. So. Yeah, and it's a tough run, and, and we don't know if that didn't happen, if he would still be the national coach at this time, or to lead the squad still through the yes. 2026 World Cup. Uh, regardless of that situation, would you have liked to have seen Greg Berhalter? I think, yeah. No, no, I, and I've voiced it many times here, not because Greg Berhalter, I think, is not a good person or et cetera, et cetera. I just don't think he did enough. Style-wise, you don't agree. Yeah. Style-wise, who would you agree with? 
Go the national it. team? Yeah. A European coach, somebody who's of a certain weight, of a certain pedigree, that can deal with that locker room. These players are getting more sophisticated in their level. I've said it many times. We can talk about how green this national team is. Well, the greenest was, was Greg Berhalter. Why these guys were very green at the Man Cities of the world, at the Barcelonas of the world, and the Bundesliga teams of the world, and the Premier League teams of the world, La Liga teams of the world. Greg Berhalter was green coming from the Columbus crew. Mm -hmm. So now, especially with everything that's gone on, with the off-field issues with this program, you need a manager of a certain weight. Yeah, and he didn't have it at the end of the day, Then, from what you're telling yeah. us going into the 2026 World Cup. All right, and as we, of course, know, one is truly the loneliest oh, number. No. Uh, cue the sad music. Thank you. And this is why Ethan Horvath, I mean, this blunder against Millwall, it's just sad. Yeah, it's, it. it's been a very good season for him. 13 uh, clean sheets. It has Luton Town in a position for a playoff in the championship, but this certainly not one of his finest moments. Nope, to say the least. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that just slips right through uh, his fingers. You got to be secure about what you're doing. Happens to the best of them. We just saw. We just saw it happen to Courtois and to Ether. Yeah, and to Allison Becker in the same game a few That's minutes right, apart. Yep, yep. Let's take it to the women's World Cup. Adriana Lima, she was named the FIFA Global Fan Ambassador. She will develop, promote, and participate in several global initiatives. Uh, the question is, are you cool with it? You know, there's been a lot of uh, commentary online with how tone-deaf FIFA is with this decision. And let me just say, yes, tone-deaf and FIFA go together. Yeah. And it is a very tone-deaf decision. I, I will speak very briefly just on the plethora of talented women that could have been the ambassador. This is very much FIFA saying, oh, men like supermodels. Exactly. When on the men's side, their ambassadors are the likes of David Beckham, they're the likes of Roberto Carlos, Ronaldo Il Fenomeno. You could have gone with so many talented and meaningful women in the game of football, yet you decided to do this. Yeah, that, that kind of speaks volumes. And I, and I agree with what you say, because as, as soon as I saw this announcement, that was where my mind went to. Okay, they're trying to attract male audience who like to see her. Nothing against Adriana Lima, of course, and the right. career that, that she's had. But this just doesn't go hand in hand with me. And I think it's a missed opportunity, like you said. So many talented women. If you want to involve a celebrity, that's, that's fine. But involve a celebrity that has done work for women's soccer, like we've seen for Angel City. So many of those that are involved, of course, in developing the game and helping the women and sure. putting in their own money to see the women grow. This makes me a little bit frustrated because it's such a missed opportunity, especially when we're talking about the last two years and it really just gets my blood pumping because the game has grown so much in the last two years and this is FIFA accepting that they still need a lot of help to grow. Yeah, they need a lot of help, but I don't think this is the kind of uh, help that they should have had at the end of the day. There's so many different ways to help the women that are playing day in, day out, that train in and that are professionals and that aren't getting paid what they're supposed to. Let's start there and with the image. But yeah, this this just kind of makes me a little bit frustrated. Again, nothing against... Adrian absolutely Lima. not, nothing against her, but you're, you're absolutely right. They're trying to cater to the lowest denominator here. Thinking yeah. men are knuckle-draggers and... Oh, look, supermodel. Yeah, let's go, let's go watch a game then. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, well, hopefully that what this will do is, is attract attention and that, that, that will have the result that I hope that they're looking for and to grow the women's game. But I know Alex Morgan has spoken out very adamantly about a, a promoter that she wasn't uh, okay with that is now being a part of and being an advertiser uh, for, for the 2023 World Cup. So, yeah, it's good that they're speaking out about it, but it's just so frustrating that they still have to come out and speak about these issues. FIFA for you. Yeah, exactly. At the end of the day. Uh, let's take it to some better news. Uh, we're going to stick with uh, women's soccer. So Orlando Pride uh, is the first National Women's Soccer League team to switch to black shorts. The decision addresses players' concerns during their menstrual cycles. I will tell you, I played with an all-white uniform in high school, and it was always a concern once a month that your shorts were going to stain. And that's not what you want to focus on when you're playing an important match. You want to focus on the task at hand, which is giving your best game and putting your best foot forward. And I'm so happy, and this does really, really make me happy, that Pride is the first team to do so. And I hope a lot of teams will follow suit for those, of course, that have to go through their menstrual cycles. All right, let's take it to La Liga and the slate that you can enjoy on ESPN Plus starting this Saturday and through Sundays. A lot of CONCACAF players to keep our eye on, of course, heading into this weekend. All right, it's time to check our mentions here and what you guys have uh, sent us in. Here's the first one. What do you think of the rumors of Tata Martino coaching Tigres? Is he a good fit? Herc, that groan said it all, but please tell us more. <laughs> the silence says a lot as well. So two parts. Yeah. Would Tigres really do this? Seriously. And then I started thinking to myself, well, just based on... Why? Because it's petty? No, no, no. I'll get to the petty part <laughs> in a second when I speak to Tata Martino. But when I started thinking about him, if you erase Tata Martino's name and just put the resume, that's a very good resume. Head coach of Barcelona, uh, head coach of the Paraguayan national team, the Argentine national team, mm -hmm. uh, head coach of the Mexican national team. There are a lot of elements there where you're like, this is a very attractive coach, okay? But it's Tata Martino. This is the same guy who couldn't be bothered to go to the Liga MX games, who wanted to stay in Argentina, who left Santi El Bebote Jimenez at home because he didn't think he could help him. Why? Because he's never seen him play. <laughs> the same guy who resented Mexican football after everything. But now Diego Coca just made $4 million net, which is one of the best salaries in Latin America, mm -hmm. coaching Tigres. So, yes, Tata Martino's going to be like, well, this doesn't sound bad. Yeah. I'm in my own little bubble here with the Regios in a beautiful team with the ability to win titles and I get paid like a king? Yeah, but the thing is, he just came from like a high-pressure situation. Yeah, he'll be in a bubble, but it's a bubble with a lot of pressure in Monterrey, as you well know. Oh, maybe Edwards. if you're uh, Rayado, because they've been out one much. Oh, okay. When you're with Tigres, okay. you're are, we really, are we really going to go down that road? <laughs> because I will go down that road, and I will play your hand, sir. Here's the, here's the issue with Tata Martino, and, and this is why... In, one of many issues. Yeah, one of the many issues. But Tata Martino, like, you spoke about being petty. Could I essentially see him doing this? No. I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head when you said the high-pressure situation. I think he's over with everything Mexican football. Me, I me think too. Was, and I think he should be. He's yes. like for his own uh, mental health. Sanity. Just to kind of, yeah, yes. exactly. To kind of take a step back, not have to honestly yeah, deal with, with Mexican media at the end of the day, which was a high, high-pressure situation. Go back to the MLS. Why not? He was very happy. Yeah, gotta, he was really happy. I could there. see that happening. Yeah, 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 absolutely. All right, let's go to the next question. Uh, all right. 
Who disappointed you the most during the opening weekend of MLS? Toronto FC, without a doubt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, Toronto FC is one of the teams I pegged to have the biggest turnaround in 2023. Bob Bradley, a proven winner at Major League Soccer level, big coach, ex-national team. He coached abroad in the Premier League. He, he's been everywhere, Egyptian national team, France. I, we don't have to go through the resume. Now, having more of the team he built, Bernadeschi, uh, Lorenzo Insigne, who makes, by the way, $14 million a season, highest paid in Yikes. league history. Yeah. Sean Johnson, a brand new trade. You got um, Matt Hedges coming in from FC Dallas. Well, you finally got some balance. Well, they finally got some balance, right? Yeah. And you're playing against DC United, who nobody expected anything of. Sebastian Salazar, who's a DC United lover, DC United fanboy, picked them as his wooden spoon, the worst team in the league. <laughs> and you're up. And you blow the lead. I can't tell you how disappointed I was with seeing Toronto just fold, crumble under the expectations. I don't expect that to go on through the season. Yeah. Lorenzo Insigne comes out injured. That's his own set of problems. He came out injured down the stretch last season, and you, you have to respond if you're the league, high, league highest paid, paid player in their history. $14 million For half that, Salatan got you 52 goals in one season, or two seasons. Uh, for less than half that, Sebastian Jovinko broke records at a league level, broke records for TFC, and won you titles. That is the expectation. So, yes, I was disappointed uh, with Toronto FC in the opening weekend. Yeah, understandably so with that big investment that you just mentioned. Uh, multiple investments, of course, uh, at the end of the day. Let's uh, take it to our next question. How do you guys feel about having eight CONCACAF teams at the World Cup? Is eight too many? Hashtag I'm all jacked up on Diet Mountain. That is definitely a Seb. <laughs> That's a Seb burner. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, let me put some context here. Seb Salazar will only eat like salads. He takes care of himself very much and barely eats. He's like a bird and he takes forever to eat. But he will pound about eight Diet Mountain Dews a day. No, Sebi. <laughs> so whoever made this burner, it is on point. I applaud you. That is one of the most real things I've ever seen in my life. Uh, all right, eight CONCACAF teams in the 2026. By the way, I know Seb's watching. Uh, baby Rafael, hopefully he's sleeping more. Just spoke to Seb yesterday. He's doing well, uh, so that's good. Maybe he needs a Diet Mountain Dew more than it, it, Like the eight Mountain Dews, Diet Mountain Dews that Sebi drinks a day, eight CONCACAF teams in the World Cup is way too many. Yeah. One of the worst confederations in the actual World Cup was CONCACAF. Yeah. It was one of the worst confederations. Now you're going to add eight. I understand there will be more teams. It just feels like it's being diluted. It, it feels like we're doing too much. The whole process to get there, by the way, not only is it a little difficult to understand, but it's boring. I almost fell asleep. But to add eight actual teams, that means that now we're talking about, with all due respect, Jose Del Valle, the Guatemalas of the world. With all due respect to my friends in Curaçao and Suriname, like we're talking about you know, this. We're talking about the CONCACAF B nations, because that's where they are in the rankings for the Nations League, um, actually making it into the World Cup. And that, to me, is for what? Is the, goal, is the goal so Norway can also be there? And then we have an Erling Holland scoring 12 goals against Guatemala. Yeah. And I say this with all respect to Jose Del Valle. Oh, Why? to anybody else, but it's the reality of, of I don't care teams. about anybody else besides Jose Del Valle. Yeah, and, and then maybe, <laughs> yeah, me neither. Uh, maybe we'll see those matchups too. Uh, and, and, it's, and it's like a, not, not a high-ranked team against one that's very, very high-ranked. And that game's going to be boring too. We don't want to see it. Well, lots seven. of goals, but no. yeah. Yeah, uh, at least. All right. Last one, and this one's a bonus. Start, bench, sell. Mauricio Pedrosa. 
Chris, Alex, me, or Sebi. Ooh, all right, Berkeley. Whoa, no, this, hold on. This one's for the producer, so the producer put oh. it in. It was, it was labeled for the producer, so yeah. producer, you wanna go ahead and talk and I... Mouse, Mouse on the bench. bench. Okay. So Christina or Seb? <laughs> Who's, who's, moving, the East who's Coast? moving to LA? Who are you picking, Ooh. producer Beto? Because the question's for you. <laughs> so you, what you guys do? I want to leave the snow. What you guys did for the East Coast is, is for the West is offering Christina Alexander a job right now at Seb Sebastian Salazar's expense. Sorry, Seb. It was good while it lasted, my friend. <laughs> there, there's good Mexican food out here and better weather than what we're seeing uh, right now in, in the East Coast. Uh, of course, I left the snow, but I brought a little bit of the cold. To yes, you did. I don't know. I'd have to think about it. So with that, yeah, listen to the Football Americas podcast. Keep up to date with these guys. I'll be here for uh Lunas, you're back on Monday. Yeah, I'm back. Yeah. I'm back on Monday. If the producer will have me and not bench me. You already want to see the move here. Move to LA. But bye, Sebby. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Kirk, thanks.